Salutations and welcome to a very different episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello! So look at this. Yeah. Okay, so people can't see what we can see currently right yes. now. So we are currently sitting in a lovely big bed in our parents' house, recording our podcast from Newcastle. Yes, this is another on-location show, and it's been recorded in Newcastle Town, uh, 250-odd miles away from our usual setting. 289. Of La Casa Barracuda. Um, and yeah, usually we're, you know, sat down cross-legged on the floor in front of our coffee tables and recording the show. Here we're doing it from the confines of a bed. And yet it's not confined like our flat is because it's a lovely big house in a lovely area of Newcastle and it's lovely and I'm so glad to be home. Yeah, Jojo B is the happiest I've seen her uh, since our baby was born. Um, so it's been almost two, well, one and a half years uh, of uh, smile, uh, smiling, joyful Jojo B. Uh, I, on the other hand, have been yeah, nicely content. It's been nice to just get away from London and being away from those surroundings. The first for the first time, what since, geez, like January. And in a lovely, lovely turn of events. It's raining in London and it's sunny in Newcastle. Yeah, the sun is out right now in Newcastle. I don't know how long it's going to last because it's been quite drizzly here for the last few days. No, the sun's been out. We've been outside lounging in Mum and Dad's new lounge chairs in the garden. Yeah. Bubs has been running around the garden, picking apples off the tree. It's a very low hanging tree. <laughs> it's a tiny little tree, but it has loads of apples. Yeah, it's better than, I guess, picking syringes off the streets of where we're at, basically, in London. Uh, yeah, marked been, a very big change. He's been having a lovely time just being outside and being happy in eating organic fruit and veg. Yeah, no, it's, honestly, it's been a, a great few days so far. And when we last recorded our show last week with Bobby Siegel, big up Bobby Siegel, thank you so much for joining us on our show. Can I just say how much I love doing that show? It was a great interview. We've been fans of Bobby for a long time. Mm. And it was so nice to finally get to speak to him. Yeah. And he is the nicest man. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's one thing when you have people come on your show and, you know, you ask them to join you and, um, you know, and sometimes you're never quite sure of what kind of person you're going to get on the show themselves. And then you obviously we speak to them before the show and after the show to get a, you know, a closer opinion of what they're actually like as a person. And such a genuinely lovely human being um and yeah we were very flattered that he joined us and very very happy with the interview and so if you haven't heard that show listen back to it from last week um but when we recorded it we knew we were going to be in newcastle the following week and usually on shows that we've done in the past where we're away for a week or two we've just given a two-week break to everyone from us but we thought you know what let's try just recording on location and seeing what kind of vibes we're going to uh, pull out. And here we are. And it's really weird, like laying on, on a bed. You know, I've, I haven't got any pants on. Um, <laughs> this is too much information. I'm eating kheer. Cheesy and kheer, yeah. Um, yeah, so... It's, it's very relaxed. It's like that. Remember when it was the, um, when Paula Yates used to do this on the big breakfast back in like the 90s? <laughs> on the bed. On the bed, yeah. She used to just like sit here with a couple of microphones with a special guest and they just chill on the bed and just talk 
Um, maybe you know this. This might even be the way forward, fam. He's recording on the bed. It's, it's, it may sound very unprofessional, but maybe we might get a more kind of like you know intimate talk and uh, more you know sensual interviews. 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 <laughs> sensual interviews. Sensual interviews. <laughs> I'm not sure they need us to be sensual. Well, you never know. You know, people might want to open up a bit more um, with the things that they talk about. Yeah, sorry, I was just distracted by Kira. It was really delicious. Okay. We're talking about <laughs> sensual intervals, all right? Sensualness and seduction and the art of wooing. That's gonna, something that we're going to be talking about in the second half of this show when we discuss Asian dating. Yeah. And what it's like as an Asian on a date. And are Asians actually even good at dating? Yes. Is that the answer to the question? No, that's that not the answer. It's yes, that's what we're going to be talking about. Because that would have been a very like, short-ended show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, oh, they're no. good. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for this week of the Native Immigrants. See you all next week for more of the Based same. Based on some of the dates I had in the past, I can very much say that not every Asian is good at dating. Mm. So we are going to be discussing that in the second half of the show with our experiences and how it's been for us. Um, but what's happening this week? Well, okay, so we're on Suitable Boy Watch still on a week-by-week yeah. week basis. And very handily, my parents are watching it as well. Yeah, so we could we could watch it with them. But at the same time, like, it was, you know, when watching a Suitable Boy, I know from the moment that we, like, started watching it, I'm on complete tender hooks the whole time, you know, because like we've watched the first couple of shows. There's been a guy like tossing himself off on one episode. Uh, there's been some like, you know, boob grabbage, boob grabbage, uh, you know, and, um, you know, you know, bedroom but, activity. But it's nothing like graphic, really, like overly graphic. It's just a little bit of fondling and a little bit of allusion to. Yeah, but I don't, like, think, OK, you could probably watch it with your parents. It's fine. I know I could never watch anything like this with my mum and dad. 100% not, not even at this age, not even at 40 plus can I sit there with my parents and watch this. I went around to your mum and dad's house once and your mum, because your mum loves murder mysteries, isn't it? Mm. And she loves all that kind of stuff. She was watching Gone Girl. Oh, God. And I walked, <laughs> she was like, come on in, come on in, beta. So I walked in and it, just as the, she had left it running when she went to um, answer the door. Yeah. So as we walked into the room, the uh, is when he calls her the c word. Oh wow! In the film, oh my god! And and your mom just looked at me. <laughs> Look of horror on your mom's face. This mom is such like she's the most prim and proper lady. Like she hasn't sworn in her life, and she talks with Georgian English. <laughs> And so for her to witness this and the, the usage oh, of these profane words. She went through a stage of being obsessed with watching Game of Thrones. And we were like, what, no, she, no. And then I just went, look, mom, just watch the first episode and then see what happens. And then she just looked at me and I was like, see, you know, you don't really want to watch it. So just leave it alone. Yeah, she kept that saying, I really want to watch this Game of Thrones. Everybody's talking about it. And I, re I, really, I really like all that fantasy stuff. I was like... Mum, honestly, like I, I couldn't dissuade her enough from watching the show because I can just imagine <laughs> her reaction from just the very first episode <laughs> with like a brother and sister getting it on, uh, and she'd be like, "Yeah, it's not quite for me, Bitta." Um, so thankfully, um, I didn't watch it with my parents. We did watch it with yours, 
Um, and yeah, there's a couple of little scenes, but nothing really, you know, gratuitous enough for me to nah. kind of start sweating away profusely. Um, but it was another mixed show for me. Another show of some potentially great plot lines, but also some really over the top, like cheesy acting as so, well. I mean, the main two culprits of that are the the Babi and her sister. Yes. So Lata's um, sister-in-law and the sister of the sister-in-law. Yeah, the sister of the sister. Yeah. Whose names I could never remember. Um, yeah. And they are really annoying. Yeah. I'm really over the top. And the acting is... I know they're meant to be those kind of characters, but the um, the acting is just quite bad. No, that's the thing. It's just like unnecessarily over the top especially when within the episode you've got some really like serious important um events happening and where everyone's really on point well they really brushed past some very important and some really kind of like hard hitting bits mm. and it was just like oh okay so that just happened you know it's just like in the background stuff and i think like in the book it is background stuff in terms of it gives it context as the setting of where all of this is happening yeah but like i just expected a little bit more of of that of that being a thing not just something that was a scene that was filmed and then they forget about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that no one really ever talks about again yeah and i, I don't know if they're like gonna try and re refer to it in the next two episodes or not but i feel like they're not, probably not gonna do that mm. and so i'm just i don't know i'm yeah i'm, I'm starting to not feel it so much yeah and, and i i think it's weird because the first half of that show where we had all this kind of like like hammy acting, I was just like, right, I think, you know, as much as I've, I've sat here and wanted to give this thing a go. Um, and it, we really defended it at the beginning because we were like, it deserves a shot. Everybody should give it a shot. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, but now as the weeks are wearing on, I'm thinking it's just going to be an anti-climax at the end. And the thing is, now this is something that we discussed at the end of it. They're doing like a back to back in terms of the final couple of episodes. So I think the um, the penultimate episode is going to be on the Sunday, and then the final episode was is going to be on the Monday night. And I was like, "Are they doing this because it hasn't been that great in the ratings, and they're just trying to finish it off quickly?" I think they'll be starting their autumn schedule as well, so there'll be some big new drama that's bound to be starting. Mm. Um, I assume that's generally how these things work. But like, the, yeah. We're only a couple of weeks away. Like once schools go back, the autumn schedule usually starts because yeah, yeah, the yeah. summer's notoriously a quiet period. So they very rarely put on good big new drama. So actually the timing of this being on is interesting as well because they would have expected it to get lower viewing. Mm. Um, and very rarely do big broadcasters put good stuff on through the summer. But this has been a different year, I suppose, because it's been, we've all been at home. Everybody's at home, yeah. Yeah, so um, no one's really going away on summer holidays or anything like that. So maybe it changed a little bit. Maybe the thinking changed a little bit and they mm. brought it forward. But um, yeah, I would be interested to see what comes on afterwards. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think it'd be anything uh, with representation of the South Asian community. Uh, no, but we can't period. expect every show to be like that, I suppose. No, like that's just not how how it works but yeah i just i'm hoping that they do better justice to the book in the next two episodes but i say that every week <laughs> yeah no no absolutely you know the plus points for me were 
the scenes with the two processions taking place with the Hindus and the Muslims and the, you know how such a small thing can can escalate so very very quickly um, because that's how unfortunately most of these kind of fights and riots and and protests take place from like such a um, a minimal minuscule thing just escalating and then that whole mob mentality has been so rife in India for so many years and it was just mad how we thought like this was happening obviously in the 50s how nothing still hasn't changed um and so i think that played out really well but i would have loved to have seen that been elaborated a lot more obviously and i'm really feeling harish he's become the guy that i'm kind of rooting for at the moment you know he's like he, he obviously stood up for his uh beliefs left his job uh, abruptly went on to another place worked from the bottom up to show what he's capable of and he's really like, you know, stood his ground and knows exactly what he wants in life. And I was like, this is the guy that I would bring home to, you know, to show my family as a potential suitor for my sister or my daughter. Yeah, he's I think he's his character is the epitome of the sturdy Indian man. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I really I remember really liking his character in the book as well. And it's just he's a just a nice man. Yeah, lovely guy. Lovely much. Muchne to kuchne. Um, so and really well played. Like the actor who who was playing him is he knows how to act, and he's like it's like a nice, quiet kind of not over the top acting, just really well done. Um, so yeah, those are the plus points. Lots of minuses. We'll have to see next week how it all pans out um, for the last couple of episodes. Yeah, we'll give you a kind of end of series review. Yeah, it'd be more like a last couple of episodes review because. I've legitimately been reviewing it every week. But it's, it'd be good to look at it as a whole. As an overall review, yeah, yeah t- totally. Um, and what could have been done better and what, you know, that could have been improved. Um, but yeah, Superboy is coming to an end, as is the summer. As has something else, very unfortunately, on television. Patriot Act yep. has come to an end. Don't know what Netflix are thinking of, to be uh, honest. Hassan Minaj uh, posted on his social media just the other day saying that after six seasons, what a run. Patriot Act has come to an end. I got to work with the best writers, producers, researchers and animators in the game. My two babies were born and grew up with this show. Thank you to Netflix and everyone who watched. Now it's time to return these screens to Best Buy. It's... I wouldn't even say it's a shocking decision because... Unfortunately, those are the current times that we live in. But for one of the most well-informative shows on television that talked unbiasedly about some really big topics and discussions, I think that's a pretty dire decision by Netflix. I think the timing is really weird as well because there's an election about to start. Yep. There is now a the, the first female Indian Black American Vice President mm-hmm. nomination. Yes. And there is a whole Trump administration that is trying to do some crazy shit over in America during this election run mm-hmm. um, that could really, really have done with some like kind of good investigating and explaining as well. Because the way that that show and he explained things and broke things down that was so complicated and broke them down into such small bite-sized pieces that you could actually understand them yeah. that I think it was essential for that show to be around. Yes. Um, and it didn't kind of pander to the white audience at all. He covered things that were important to him. Yes. And that were interesting to a wider audience. Yeah. And I thought 
I thought it was a really brilliant show. And it's such a shame that Netflix have been so short-sighted about it because this would have been a really interesting time to have that show around. There's a pandemic going on. Mm -hmm. There is a, you know, a president that is doing everything that he can to maintain power. And I think it's essential that people are as well informed as possible to make the best choice possible in America right now. Yeah, no, I yeah, totally agree. Um, and yeah, I think the the main objective and stuff from his show was to make it as relatable as possible to our communities, you know, and liberal-minded people. And he got that across so so well. And the different discussions and and topics that he covered during those six seasons were things that I literally knew nothing about, but became so much more aware of it because of his show. And, you know, I feel that that demographic has been so neglected anyway. And it's just been reduced even further by the fact that this show is no longer around. Like, you know, for things that are happening in the States and it's up to us now to do our individual research uh, into these things and, and form an opinion. Whereas I feel like that show did so much to cover so much ground and made it easier for us to access that information um you know we're always championing representation on television and seeing you know a brown face on such a big show on the biggest streaming platform in the world talking about these things was incredibly important and it's an, unfortunately taken a massive step backwards in something that we were looking to really push forward with um, because he is one of the prime pivotal south asian faces on american television and so without that, um, you know, is a massive kick in the teeth, I feel. Yeah, it's not surprising. You might not have been expecting it, but when you hear it, you're kind of not massively surprised that it's happened um, just because of the way of the world at the moment. Um, but I hope that this means that actually he's going to go on to bigger and better things because he deserves to. He's such a great broadcaster. And I think it would be really great to see him doing more. Yeah, that's because, you know, I've, I've seen his um you know so his comedy specials the homecoming and stuff and you know he's a very you know amusing and humorous guy and really articulate very very articulate but i feel like his niche is is in that field is the you know the political um satire world and i think he really shines in that um and so i'd love to see him elaborate on that a lot more um in the things that he does in the coming weeks and months especially because it's just so important right now to scrutinize and to criticize our governments and we need that here as well yeah you know and to to kind of hold them to account is really important at the moment because they are actually running wild and doing whatever the hell they want to do yeah. um, and putting our safety and our health and our you know our economic health as well mm. at risk yeah all the time with the crazy decisions that they make and the lies that they tell and someone needs to call them out and this show is calling them out on that yes yeah well they, maybe that's what shut him down eventually unfortunately well yeah you know those inner circles you know secret societies yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying nudge nudge wink wink on Jojo B's direction as if like we're part of that shit yeah, do you think ever would that will be allowed into that kind of I don't like, want to be I don't want to you know drink pig's blood and <laughs> yeah. you know and wear like horns i don't want to do any of that shit so just keep that away from me thank you very much keep uh, your triangles uh we're talking about drinking pig's blood and and wearing horns in the second half of this show <laughs> we're going to be talking about 
the Asian dating world and the experiences we've had. And are Asians even good at dating? You need the side, people. Welcome back to the second half of The Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And on this half of the show, we're going to talk all things Asian dating. Yes, we are. Are we able? Oh, well, as in physically able. Are we physically able to <laughs> go on a date? I mean, most of the time, no, because we have to try and sneak out the house. Yeah, kind of past curfew kind of time. And curfew for like Asians is what, like six o'clock? Mommy Songi, can we go out and <laughs> sneak now? out the window? Um, no, but in all seriousness. Yeah. So, like, okay. So, I'm not going to come on here and act like I'm some like expert on dating and specifically when it comes to dating, you know, within our community. As and we such. won't be like smug married who so are like, well, this is what worked for us and that's why we're married now. And all you people who aren't married are losers. We would never do that. And we don't think that. No, exactly. I think I think people shouldn't be listening to this half of the show thinking, oh, I want to find out what dating is all about. Um, because we're talking to two seminal masterminds on dating. Because and We're not going to give you any advice. Yeah. What, what advice can like, <laughs> really, what advice? I, I feel like, you know. <laughs> so any, shit at dating. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, shit at dating, yeah. And when you're married, bruv, those days of dating, dating is pretty much done, oh fam. Oh my God, you yeah. You know, dating now, the perks of dating in the evenings is getting like half an hour after putting your son or daughter to sleep um, and then like, you know, sharing leftovers from the night before and watching some shit Netflix thing. That's yeah. dating these days. Um, Just so, sitting next to each other on the sofa is a date. Yeah, exactly. You know, occasionally I might put my arm you know, on your face. Arm you know, on my face? To, to show my affection to you. What? Yeah. Or, you know, the, you know, like, you do the old school, like what our parents used to do to show affection to each other. You know, like, just pat you on the back kind of thing or kind of like, you know, give you a good dap on the back of your head. So, you know, good girl kind of thing. You know. Um, I think my parents did affection slightly better than that. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying, fam. You know, when, you, when, you're, when you're grown up in an environment of like, there is no dating, you know, I, I guess the generation before me very rarely dated. It was very much kind of arranged marriage kind of well, yeah, know, our scenarios. Parents, our parents, like both of our sets of our parents were like, they were introduced. Yeah, exactly. I, my mom didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, it was just so, the man turned up at our house. And then a week later, they were married. Yeah. So, but okay. So that was the majority. You still had people dating even back then. With yeah. Pers you know, with prospective potential brides and grooms and stuff out there. Yeah. Um, or just even casual. I think it happened, but it was still very much still the minority. Whereas I guess our generation are the first ones to really take on the whole, you know, the, the ethos of the Western world when it comes to dating and seeing people and, you know, not necessarily having relationships with people mm. and keeping things casual and these kind of things. And so it was very much a new thing for us. The next generation, I guess now, uh, like I've got it 
to a T and stuff. And now they've got like... They just do what they want. Yeah, do what they want. Multiple technologies to use as well. We didn't have any of this kind of shit, basically, when we first started dating back in the day. Um, so like school time dating, I didn't do because no one wanted me. But um, but like, I remember my friends and stuff, they just had to like, you had to sneak around to make sure nobody saw you in town, you know, because it would... 100% go straight back to your mom yeah. or your dad that, you know, oh, we saw her or him out in town with somebody and what were they doing there and why were they with them and all this kind of stuff. So you had to be extra, extra careful. Mm. And then when, like, my friends, like, you know, like, younger siblings all started doing it, they're just, like, really open about it and just doing whatever they want. And we were no like... No fucks given. Yeah. And we were like, what the hell changed? Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> In an the space of a few, like, a few kind of years, everything just changed and no one cared anymore, which is lovely. It's lovely to be more open about these things and stuff. But it was just, it's, you know... It's a it's a strange world sometimes in my head. I'm still in that kind of like, got to be secret about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Which brings me nicely to the point of why we're even talking about this. Mm. So I saw, again, as many things that I see in the world, they kind of tend to be on Twitter. <laughs> I saw a tweet, a really interesting tweet a few weeks ago. And I cannot remember at all. And I can't find this tweet again. So I can't, I can't kind of credit the author for this. A1 broadcast journalist that we <laughs> I are. I know, I know. But um, it was a kind of, you know, like scrolling through Twitter in the night type thing. And I saw this really interesting tweet. And I was like, aha, this is an interesting point. Someone said, and I think it was around Indian matchmaking, mm. about how um, Asians are, they just don't know how to date. And they're really bad at dating because we're brought up with this kind of, constant messaging from our parents and our family and the community that going on a date is a bad thing that um having relationships that are not within marriage are a bad thing and you shouldn't do that going out and looking even looking at the other opposite sex is like bad thing you know so we and so we're just kind of we have that instilled in us and we're not then able to date like a normal person. It's, like always, a normal person. it's always going to be We're like abnormal people. Well, no, just with always with the with the intention and the pressure mm. of marriage at the back of our minds, and so that just leads us into this kind of weird forced environment where we're interviewing rather than dating mm, yeah and I thought that was a really really interesting point, and I just thought you know what we need to discuss this. Yeah, I guess I, I you know we've got to look at it two days. Is that that way of thinking very passe in terms of um do like the majority of our community get onto dating sites and apps and stuff with the intention of finding uh you know a husband or wife or are we living in an age now where people just like just want to basically hook up you know and and just or just have casual dates with people um without any you know um sort of preconceived notions um about where this thing's going to go they're just like you know just going with the flow of things um it, it could potentially be a generational thing people in their early to mid 20s and then people in their late 20s to early 30s it could be a co completely different um you know demographical ethos um but we've got to kind of ask ourselves like are asians even good at dating is it's more a case of you know, when you go for a date with somebody, you have absolutely no real clue who they really are. It could be a blind date. It could be something set up, obviously, through online. Or it could be like someone you've 
swipe right to on you know on one of the apps and stuff like that what is what are your intentions in in going to this date is it primarily to think very long term or are you basically just thinking on like a day-to-day and just you know living a kind of young carefree life i feel like for a lot of our generation so people who were in their kind of you know 30s and early 40s i think it's it's been about getting married i think that's just so drummed into us that actually it ends up being most of the time and this is generalizing obviously but i think quite often it's about finding somebody that you're going to be with long term you know with the intention of marriage um from the people that i know anyway which is a small you know group that's the thing i'd love to know like you know do people in their like 30s and 40s I know a lot of friends and people that I've come across that have come to a point in their life where, just, where they're just like, Do you know what, I'm not going to get married. Um, I'm past that point where I I'm, I'm even care about this. I potentially did beforehand, um, but I've just gone through so much shit and I've just had so much self-realization, which is more important to me. And I'm at this stage in my life now where I really don't care about marriage. And I'm basically, if I'm on a dating site or I'm on an app or something, it's just like to to get to know people and just basically, you know, have something casual without, you know, any intentions of, of anything going forward. You know, people are drummed into their minds from, I guess, the 20s because of our community that people around them are getting married. And then obviously there's the pressure. And we've spoken about this on previous shows about, you know, like how these things are kind of instilled in you and you hear it from all your external family and your immediate family even you know that it's your time now and so it that that's the reason why you've got your like shadi.coms and all these like other matrimonial sites Do people where, still go on shadi.com be interesting i don't know I, i'm I'm, a, I'm assuming it's a mass still a massive business i mean we just watched indian matchmaking that's pretty much like you know a shadi.com you know in the form of like one auntie g from from india basically <laughs> yeah you know but that's an old school method so people have gone back to basically asking to be introduced by someone using a bajolan is what we would call them right. in Punjabi like someone who you know their their purpose is to introduce you to somebody else so they you hire them or you you know you, there's always one in your family hmm. where there's always someone who knows lots of people and so they're always matchmaking and and so now I think there is and I think we might have talked about this on previous shows where there's a reluctance for people that are within your family or your parents friend circle to introduce because if things go wrong they don't want to get blamed for it. Yeah. So now there's this market open for people to charge you, you for people who you can pay yeah, yeah. to to do that instead. Yeah. Um and so it's interesting that people are now trying to go back to those old school methods or maybe those those people always existed and that we just didn't have them in our realm I suppose but I think it's becoming more of a popular idea because people are getting so sick of the online dating because I've not heard anything good about online dating recently from anyone that I know. Um, they, they It's really hard to sift through the time wasters. Yeah, and when yeah, I say yeah. time wasters, these are people who are looking for serious relationships and then come across people who are not, who are either not signaling that they are looking for something casual mm. or that are there just as a time pass and just like to kind of piss around mm, yeah and so they're wasting lots of people's time um and so maybe this is the way forward maybe see my is the way forward obviously i, I up until watching indian matchmaking i didn't realize if this was even a, a massive 
like business in India, I can assume. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the same kind of happens here as well now. Um, but speed dating is obviously a massive thing within our community, Asian speed dating, where, you know, and, it's, and a lot of it is also very um, community specific as well, you know. So, you know, you get like a Gujarati speed dating, you get Punjabi speed dating, you get like a Bangladeshi speed dating. And so all of these are very much, you know, done with the intention of marriage more than anything else. Yeah. So um, so I'd, I'd think that as much as there is a lot of casual dating, the majority of people, I guess in that particular age group, are are going on to, you know, all these various different sites with the intention of marriage. And so with that, does that um, affect the dating process? You know, like you said, are Asians even good at dating? Yeah, because then it's like, so, okay, so talking from my personal experience let's talk about our own personal experiences sure right so talking from my personal experience a lot of the dates that i went on were through people that i had been set up with um via family and yet a lot of that is you try because i'm quite i'm quite chilled as a as a person on a date and mm. i'm quite like relaxed and i just like to get to know somebody but quite often i felt like i was on an interview mm. um and you know the people would be like oh so what did you study and what do you do as a job? And what are your interests? And it's really boring questions. Yeah. And I mean, they're the standard questions, I guess, that you get. But like, it was always kind of like, you could tell that someone's trying to tick a box. And, you know, and it, it just felt very, like, not natural. Yeah. And then when I compare that with the dates that I went on when I was, that had, through people, with people that I had met through other means so by yeah. myself, you know, while I'd been out or that I had been introduced to through friends or whatever... This felt so much more relaxed yeah. and so much more chilled. And I had so much of a better time because yeah, yeah, you yeah. just have a laugh. And it's really hard to have a laugh on these setup dates. People are not up for laughing yeah, because yeah. they're always just like, well, we have to be on our best behavior because we have to represent our families and all this kind of stuff. And I'd quite... <laughs> I quite often get feedback that I talk too much Yeah, yeah because yeah. I just be like chatty and you know just like tell me about yourself and I'll tell you about myself and if you're not going to say anything because you know you're here to try and suss me out as a wife then I'm just going to keep talking because I can't stand silence yeah so I'm just going to carry on talking because then it, it keeps the awkwardness away yeah and yeah I'm not I didn't very often go very well for me because I think people just didn't like my did they just say that, that she was too chatty? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. she talks too much is a feedback that I got quite a lot. I can vouch for that. This off. You intentionally stopped talking to <laughs> make sure you're not so chatty. Um, yeah, no, like she, dating is one of those things that, um, from my personal experience, I've always had kind of long-term relationships through my adult life. Um, and in between then, I've had like little pockets of dating as such. Um, but it, it's weird because I'm, I'm I'm a little bit similar to you where like, I just, I'm quite an open guy. And so even when I'm with someone, I don't really find them attractive. I'm like, I'm still chatting away the same way I would with anybody else, mm. you know, because I just like, I'm just like engaging in conversation and I like kind of you know just um getting to know the people and you know and but the problem with that is the other party then think oh actually that he's he seems really interested because he's really like you know open and there seems there's like a chemistry between us i was like no this is what i do i, I just i just talk to people 
and I, you know, like want to know things about them, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a good listener. And so you're, you know, immediately you're ticking. I guess in a way, I was ticking all the boxes for these. Uh... Do you think the expectation <laughs> of men and women on these setup dates is like, or on any date, if you're Asian, do you think the expectation is different slightly? It's a really interesting one. I'd like to think, just from like seeing things on social media, guys go into it a lot less seriously than the women do. Is what I feel. And so, you know, as much as there are a massive number of guys that are on dating sites, you know, with the intention of, of marriage and stuff, but I think a lot of them are also on there, like, you know, for casual things and hookups and things like that. Um, uh, the conversations, obviously, that flow, you know, within, the, within a dating scenario, um, it, you know, are, it's one of those things. It's, when you look at things from the male perspective, when you look at things from the female perspective, that's a whole that's a whole show in itself. Mm. Like what, what are your, you know, intentions and what are your expectations? Um, you know, but I like to think that, you know, entering a date, I'm not one of those kind of guys that can basically just sit there and act aloof. Like, like I've seen a lot of the time with guys that are just not I'm, interested. I've been on dates with aloof men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, they're I the just, ones that tell me that I talk too much. That's the thing. So maybe it's easier to let the other person know body language wise that you're not interested in them because then you'd just be wasting each other's time. Yeah. Um, you know, that could have been, but that's, it, that's not my nature. And so, uh, you know, that, that could be another reason why, like, because I was always in long-term relationships. And so, um, you know, I, the whole concept of dating was just never a massive thing for me because I was like, well, you know, if I, if I vibe with someone, then I want it to go kind of long-term, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that has that chopping and changing relationships. I was always like, if I find someone and and I'm happy and I'm, everything's amazing, then I want this for the rest of my life. You know? So you are one of those Asians who goes into it with with the hope or the expectation of long term leading to marriage. Then yeah, I, well, yeah, because like apart from like your like early stages of your life, by the time you get to like your, you know, like even like 23, 24, if you're if I was with someone at twenty three and twenty four. I'd expect to still be with them now. Really? Yeah, completely. Because I'm not like, well, like, what's the point in like not wasting time and shit like that? Do you know what I mean, I mean, you've got the rest of your life to be married. I can still be with someone at 23, 24 and then not be married to them till I'm like 30 if I wanted to. But I know, at least I know that this is basically um, in the process. You know, I'm sounding like one of these, you know, like these, these shows and stuff. Like I want to know that it's going somewhere. You, you, know? you like commitment yeah no exactly no I, I i've always preferred i've always been a committed guy um you know i've always tried to give as much as i can within a relationship um you know obviously that hasn't really worked out um because i'm with jojo b now we've been together for uh eight years um and obviously i've been in relationships before then um that you know for whatever reason haven't worked out or i've never cheated i'm just putting it out there now um but you just said that it hasn't worked out you're with me you're married and you're happily settled now. that's what i'm saying but what, what i'm saying is if i went into the mindset that say the person i was with at 23 or 24 i would have wanted to be with them for the rest of my life you know because i was just like well but isn't that just being 23 and naive potentially 
but I've always I've always had that mindset. I thought I was going to be 23. I was going to get married and I was going to have kids at about, you know, start having them about 25. Mm. And then by about 28, I'd be done with my kids. Like I would have had a couple. Yeah. I'd be done. And then, you know, by the time I hit my mid 30s, they'd be like kind of grown. And yeah. so I could be living my life again. And then here I was. I didn't get married until I was like two weeks before my 31st birthday. Yeah. And I just had a baby when I was, what, 35? 30 odd. Yeah, 30-something, in my mid-30s. And so, you know, it didn't really work out the way that you planned when, back then because, well, it's you, when you're young, you're just naive and you think that everything will be perfect and quite often it's not. But okay, so also to that, uh, to add to that, it, does that mean that now, um, like, times are changing? Whereas, like... I'm talking about me at 23, 24, and I got married when I was 35, and I'm seeing that become a lot more common now. So is 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 the pattern now or the style shifted in today's uh, generation where you are almost casually dating through most of your 20s, and then by the time you get to your 30s is when people are starting to get married um, and then like I've you know I've literally just had our baby a year and a half ago I was already 40 by that point and so people are having their children much later in life as well is that the way things are moving forward because think, people are just like having fun and just kind of like you know seeing how things go with their respective yeah, and, partners and also people are trying to establish themselves so people a lot of people want to feel secure now I think and they want to live life a little bit because you know what like marriage is great but it can be restrictive because there is responsibility that comes along with marriage and and so people are just like you know i'm just gonna have some fun Mm. that's what i did in my 20s i just went and had some fun and that doesn't mean that i was like shagging around or anything but it just means that i was out there traveling and doing whatever i wanted to do without the restriction yeah and if you want to shag around that's absolutely fine it's whatever your version of fun is i think sometimes you just need to do it and you need to like get it out your system yeah but also the flip side of that is in comparison to um you know like other communities if we talk about our own community that was something that was at, even at then was still very frowned upon oh yeah but my and whole so, life was frowned upon through my 20s but that's see that's what that's what i mean so when we talk about basically asian dating specifically there is a lot of baggage that comes with it because mm-hmm. of our community and because of the way um you know especially like el- elders of our community look at the whole process of dating um you know i know with with my parents um you know my mom knew about my earliest relationship we spoke about it on the show on mixed race relationships it was with a black girl and so she was very much against it at the time uh but i think she kind of felt that well you know i'm young and and she's young but this is not really going to go anywhere you know she, i think she went into that with that mindset but if I had told her I was dating uh, an Asian girl, specifically an Indian girl, then I think I would have probably been married by 26, 27, because the feelers would have already been pushed onto me um, for with the mindset that this is the girl that I'm going to basically end up marrying. And obviously, the older you get, your your viewpoints, etc., kind of change. But you know, your family do play a massive part sometimes in you know like not pressurizing i think is a big word but kind of mildly influencing your your thought process in terms of dating and the first person you date sometimes uh is like well is this going to be a long-term thing 
Yeah, I guess so. As I said, a lot of the dates that I had, especially in the early days, were through setups. And so they were always with the intention of, you know, us getting married. I had no desire to marry any of them. (laughs) And they've all gone on, you know, I think mostly to get married and have happy lives and they met the right person for them. But we weren't the right people for each other at that point. So, you know, we, we just kind of went all separate ways at the end of a date or maybe two if we had to keep our parents happy just to say that we tried um so i think my my viewpoint on dating was very different until a bit later on when i started to because i I wasn't a very confident person um in my younger times and and so i always just was like well no one fancies me no one wants to be with me and so i always went out with that kind of attitude but when i stopped being that way and just kind of stopped caring i and meeting and started meeting people on my own Mm. and not being and not relying on family setups and things i started having a lot more fun on dates and and i started to try and kind of i started to get to know myself better as well yeah yeah for sure you know because i wasn't repeating the same answers over and over again there was new people who were asking me new things and challenging me in different ways in terms of you know what i do and and who i am and all that kind of stuff and i find it very very interesting and and the process just became a lot more fun um and i also kind of figured out the kind of dates that i like going on Mm, yeah so that's that's see this is the you know a very interesting like the 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 type of date like so this okay so i I had this with one of my exes in in uh, in our very first date um you know i think it was a very big thing for her i was at the kind of stage in my life it was like okay great you know be nice and stuff let's you know kind of not so much seeing how it goes but um you know it's a first date kind of thing so you know you don't throw all your eggs in one basket you just got to be cool be chilled with it and stuff like that and just see how it goes and so you know i um suggested let's let's go to a bar have a drink kind of thing and she and at the time she was like okay great obviously we had a a, a long-term relationship thereafter you know um but she always said to me that that i can't believe that on our first date we went out for just a drink i i would have had like gone to an amazing restaurant and had like a great you know meal and stuff and kind of had a much like kind of more elaborate experience uh which did get me kind of thinking like what what is the expectation for anyone now for a first date you should never ever ever in my opinion especially if you're not if you don't know that person you should not go and eat on a first date yeah for sure sure. i think that having a drink is a great way of putting the feelers out and just trying to see if you want to spend time with each other you can always go for a meal afterwards after you've had a drink if you're Mm. enjoying each other's company yeah um or you can go for a meal on your next date if there's going to be a next date but i feel like you shouldn't be forced into having been on many of these setup dates where we had to meet at a restaurant because they would insist like oh let's go and get some food and i'd be like no let's not do that but But then you have to sit there and like make conversation i swear i've been on so many dates where i've had to make all the conversation and then these same fuckers have been the ones who've been like oh she talks too much it's because they literally have nothing to say (laughs) they will not say a word I went to a really fancy restaurant with a guy, right. right? And he turned up in his big flash car. And then I genuinely, I made all the conversation. I had to ask him questions and he didn't speak. So then I just carried on talking about myself because I was like, I'm stuck here for a three course meal at this restaurant. I can't get up and leave. And so here I am eating. I could just eat in silence or I can just 
feel the silence. So I yeah. feel the silence. And then, yeah, oh, she talks too much. She's not for me. I don't think we're quite right for each other. And I was like, too bloody right we're not right for each other. What Do you think then that was that kind of, he wasn't interested, so he just played aloof for the whole night? That is a night. dickhead move. See, that is a, such an idiot move to do because you have now got stuck in a situation which in your head you're just gonna be like i want to get out of this i want to get out of this i want to get out of this but mm. you've insisted on a meal so now make some conversation make the time go quicker let's eat slightly quicker yeah. and then let's go yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know for sure. but no you're just gonna sit there slowly chewing on your food and like not saying a word and just making it all really awkward and awful like this is the problem this is the problem that i found and don't be offended asian men but it was the asian men that i met on these kind of dates mm. that they just made no effort because if they didn't fancy you they were like well i can just be rude and not speak mm, and yeah. i find that really offensive and really massively immature and that's why i was just like do you know what for a while i was like mm. i'm done i'm done with indian men mm. because they they don't know how to date that's what I used to think. That's okay. what I used to think. And then obviously I met some lovely ones that who like changed my mind. And then I married one who obviously changed my mind about that. Mm. So, you know, like the process got better. But I just found that like there was this kind of, they just felt like, well, I don't like you. So I'm just not going to speak to you. So, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sit here and eat this meal then in silence. That's why I always used to be like, let's just have a drink. That way, if he's not talkative, I can go, oh, do you know what? I've got a nip off now because my tube's due or my boss is due. Yeah. And so see you later. Bye. I've got early start in the morning. And then off you go. Ta-ra. You know, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. was, that I thought was a good get out clause. So I would always recommend to not eat, not make plans for eating. Right. Make plans for the drink. If you have it early enough in the evening, then you can go for a meal after. Or next time. Okay. No, I, I agree with the, basically, like, if you don't know the person, then absolutely go for a drink because then there is no kind of financial commitment that comes with having an elaborate meal at an amazing restaurant. Because let's be fair, I, I'm sure living in this, this day and age now where of independent men and independent women that, you know, a, a woman will find it comfortable to pay for a meal you know on a on a date as such but that the the onus generally is on the guy to pay and understandably so that's a gentlemanly thing to do and so on a first date i would i would always pay for the meal on a first date and so me as a foodie i'd always want to go on a date that involves food because i'm like well well our first official date I mean, we argue about which one was our first official date because we were friends for so long. We used to go out all the time. Yeah, exactly. So then so it was just like, it's well... It's easy to go on... It's, <laughs> it's much easier to go on a date with someone you kind of know as friends beforehand because then there is no kind of um, hang-ups on, let you know, like, what, how is this conversation going to go and is it going to be weird that we, we're choosing to go to, like, a, a nice restaurant or if, is it, if it weird that we're just popping down to the local pub? It doesn't really doesn't matter as such. Do you know what I mean? But... For someone you don't know, um, and you're taking them out to, you know, like a restaurant for a meal, 
I'd just be like, do you know what? I'm going to get a free meal out of this. I don't give, him, give, a, give a shit how the date goes if, that, if it well, doesn't that's, end up that's, working. That's the attitude I ended up having with these setup dates. I just was like, this is, all right, if you're going to insist on food, then you're going to pay for it because quite frankly, I've been on enough of these shit dates that I don't I don't need to pay for the, the for this experience. Mm. So you pay for it. And, um, and I just saw it as a free meal. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Free drink, free meal. And I was quite poor at that point because I was earning very little working in TV yeah. and I was paying rent. So I was just like, do you know what? Yeah, fine. We can go somewhere fancy or we can go wherever you want. You choose mm. and I'll turn up and you're going to pay for the meal because I cannot stand these kinds of dates anymore. Yeah. And so and then sometimes they would pleasantly surprise me and they'd be quite nice. Most of the time they were not the kind of men that I needed to be around. Yeah. And so I was like, fine. I didn't have, I didn't lose anything in this except time. Yes. Yeah. And so that was, that was the way that I dealt with those kind of dates. And then when I learned, when I started going, like going on dates with people that I actually liked, um, then I learned that the kind of date that I like is really cash, very, very casual. Mm. And, you know, aside from our dates, like the, the, the non us dates, yeah. previous dates. Um, I think the the best ones were just the ones that were a bit. There was no a, there was no kind of set agenda, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, or anything. We just met for a drink and then just ended up either you know going for food or going for a wander mm. and just chatting and getting to know each other. And I thought, and those are the ones that stick out in my memory as being the lovely ones, mm, um, yeah. because there's no you just kind of feel at ease and there's no pressure on that and you're getting to know somebody who you actually want to get to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear that. You know, some of them went somewhere and some of them didn't. But they were always more fun and I have nice memories attached to those ones. Whereas there were some awful ones in the beginning. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I guess everyone's experiences, I guess, are different. Um, you know, I, I've always looked at the, the good dates that I remember have always been based around the experience you know, as well as the company kind of thing. So it's like the overall kind of picture. Um, yeah, kind the of makes mood, me... the setting. What's, you know, I still have like, you know, like songs that were on in the background, things like that. Mm, yeah. You know, that that's the kind of stuff that sticks out for me. But me and you are very different in our types, the types of dates that we like, or yeah, we used definitely. to be. At the very beginning, we were very, very different because you'd come at it from like this, you know, you had gone on really loads of really fancy dates with your ex, whereas I had been on really like, slummy dates <laughs> no they weren't slummy they were just fun and casual and easygoing mm, and yeah. not about looking right or spending right or anything like that they were more just about enjoying each other's company in whichever way we would wanted to do whether that was like just having a wander around london or having you know wander around a museum or whatever yeah or, you know going to a gig and things like that but those are the kinds of things that i used to do mm. and and so that's i mean that, that you know that that's the kind of person that i am still yeah, no, no, absolutely. But I also think that's also comes from that the different age bracket as well, because by the time and also financial bracket, because I did, bracket. I do yeah, exactly. love an expensive restaurant and I do love food. Yeah, but quite often I couldn't afford that stuff because I was, I was not earning very much working in media and paying sky high London rent. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you know, for me, you know, when you're in your late 20s early 30s um you know establish yourself in a career working living um, with your parents living with my parents exactly you know you can afford to have you know i'm not saying the finer things in life um but you're not basically going f to mcd's for a for a, for a date do you know what I mean i've you know? never been to mcdonald's on a date i'm just saying that 
All right. I've never to, been to like, McDonald's on a date. Would you go to would you go on a harvester for a date? No. I don't like Harvester. I don't, harvester. I don't like Harvester. I don't like their food there. But it's casual, isn't it? It's like a casual but British it's, I mean, there's casual experience. and then there's just like going to Weatherspoons to have a meal. Like I don't, it's not, that's not my, if I'm going to spend money on food, then at least let it be food that I like the taste of. <sighs> uh, Nando's. Nando's, yes. Nando's, yeah, Nando's. Nando's has always been like, I feel like a brethren kind of place. Where then after, well, we were brethren. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose <laughs> because we've been to Nando's, we we've gone to Nando's so many times at that point, um, that going on a date in the future to Nando's isn't so much a new thing. Whereas on your first date... No, 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 no not Nando's on the first date. But if it is, if that's what you want to do, and that that's wh- where you feel the most comfortable, and that's where you have the most fun with each other, then why not? I think that's, I'm, mate, I'm sure there's, a, there's an age group in the early 20s that have no qualms going to Nando's on a first date. I'm, I'm absolutely 100% sure on that because like like I said, the times have changed and like the viewpoints have changed and where people feel comfortable going on a date for the first time has changed. And your pocket dictates, I feel like there's always this pressure to like impress by flashing your money. Mm. And that's not how, for me personally, that's never how I was impressed because I went on dates with people who were obviously minted and they were the the least interesting people that I met. And so I had no interest in them, no matter how much money they had and the designer clothes they wore, the lovely cars that they drove. This had no, no appeal to me whatsoever. Some people may be into that. But that was not what I was into. So I was just like, well, I really don't want to see you again. Whereas the people that who didn't do any of that, whether they had money or not, they just didn't flash it around yeah. and just want, we just wanted to do something easygoing. We're much more, we ended up having a much better time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah if you're, a little more relaxed. If you can't afford to go to some big fancy restaurant or you don't want to go to a big fancy restaurant, then there shouldn't be this pressure to do that. And then for this like kind of judgmental kind of, you know, sneering down your nose kind of thing about going to McDonald's or going to Nando's or going to Burger King or Subway or wherever you want to go to in those kind of places. You can have a perfectly good date in those places, I guess. You can indeed. Uh, But we could talk all night about this, but we decided to bring in more of an expert in the field of Asian dating. Uh, Because earlier on today, we had a conversation with Priya Mulji, who is a columnist with the East and I, uh, a good friend of ours. And she's uh, chronicled her experiences on dating for a number of years on her articles and blog. And here's what she had to say. Thank you so much, Priya, for joining us here on The Native Immigrants. Uh, so neither myself or Jojo have ever experienced online dating, but from your columns and your articles, you paint a pretty vivid picture of what goes down but what is it really like is it really a jungle out there if you ask me what modern online dating looks like it would take a long time to explain um because there's a lot out there there's dating apps there are websites um and you know there's apps galore there's the swipe there's tinder there's hinge there's bumble um all of them do different things so if you are new to online dating, just take a look and see what works for you. Um, some people will have better success stories with others than with another person. So it's it's just what works for you. Um, dating is hard. It's soul destroying and it's exhausting. 
because of the sheer number of people that you meet and interact with. You could go on two dates a week and just have the same conversation over and over again. However, in the end, it is something that could potentially turn out to be wonderful. You can meet the love of your life. And I know so many people that have met their partners online, on apps, on dating website. So what I'd say is just just don't give up hope and just find what's working best for you. And if you're not comfortable, don't do it. But just know that there is an end goal and you could some people could go on one day and it's it's the person that they're going to spend the rest of their life with and that's amazing and then there's people like me that go on um has been on numerous dates um I'm not single now but I did meet my uh boyfriend uh, on a dating app so there is hope out there for everyone well, that's at least very encouraging. Um, but the, in your experience, do Asians even know how to act on a date? Do Asians know how to date? Uh, I think they absolutely do. And I've been on dates with non-Asian people. And, um, you know, a guy will always offer to pay for drinks or, or dinner. Um, but equally, so will a white guy or anybody else and um you know I I always say you know try and half go Dutch on the first dates um and the Asian or non-Asian guys you know they're they're all the same they um I think they do conduct themselves in a very similar way I don't think there's any any difference in how um an Asian person dates than a non-Asian person um I think it just depends on the person. I think what does differ is the conversation because you will have different conversations with Asians and, you know, their backgrounds will be different. And I think that's where the difference lies. And I would absolutely love to know what's been the worst dating experience that you've had? The worst dating experience I ever had was actually meeting a guy that turned out to be married. Um, he wasn't just married, he had a daughter and I was quite torn because we hadn't met through a dating app or anything. We had met, he contacted me through, I don't know, LinkedIn or something. And um, it had, we went on a few dates and he was really nice and everything. And then something didn't feel right. So I did a little bit of internet Googling and somehow discovered that he was married and I questioned him about it and he made excuses um and it did it did upset me quite a bit because I did like the guy um and then I questioned him about it he he completely denied it eventually he did admit it and told me that he wasn't in a good marriage and then um, but he wanted to carry on and I said no and then he turned into a bit of a stalker and I was not going to do that because I have too much respect for myself. So I would definitely say that was my worst dating experience. Oh my God, that's awful. But you're not the first person to tell me a story like that. That's happened to a couple of people I know through online dating 
it's really, really shocking. Messed up, messed up. Yeah, really shocking. Okay, so do you think casual dating exists in the Asian community? Or is it all about meeting for the sake of marriage? Casual dating very much exists, in my opinion. Um, many people are just looking for a an on and off relationship or a one night stand. Um, I myself have not, um, but there there has been times when I've met people that have openly said, oh, "Okay, I'm just not looking for anything uh, serious. I just want a casual thing." Um, people tend to be quite open. If if somebody says to you, I'm not looking for anything serious, that means they're not looking for anything serious. Women tend to think sometimes, oh, I can change the guy's mind. Um, but normally it's not. And it could be for a number of reasons. They could have had a bad experience with past relationships, or maybe you're not what they're looking for, but they just find you attractive. Um, or they just want to have a bit of fun and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I would say if you um, are only looking for a casual relationship, be very honest with your partner or whoever you're on a date with from the beginning because they might really like you and they might really want to uh, pursue a relationship with you. And if you if you don't uh, reciprocate, they, they could get sad or upset. So just be very upfront and clear if you are looking for a casual relationship. So we're living in very troubling times currently, uh, one that's pretty much going to change society going forward. And that includes dating, uh, specifically online dating. And what has life been like uh, dating during this pandemic? I think dating during lockdown has changed online dating um, completely, whereas before you could chat and then meet within a week or two. Now you could potentially have waited five months to meet them. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, it just gets gives you the chance to get to know each other on more of a deeper level. So you could have been chatting, you can find out more about them as a person. Um, and it could go one of two ways. You could end up being like, mm, nah, I don't really like this person. But actually, once you meet them, it, it could be something wonderful. So I think dating during the lockdown has really changed things. And it is hard because once you've connected with someone you've been talking and eventually um, you decide to meet, it's most likely to be a social distance meet. So you can't hug them, you can't give them a peck on the cheek. Um, there's there's going to be less flirting. Um, so I think dating and online dating during the pandemic has definitely changed the face of dating. Um, but I think you're going to be able to connect with each other digitally better and get to know each other better more. I hadn't even thought about the idea of social distance dating and imagine having to date with a mask on. At least you wouldn't have to smell the breath of the uh, person in front of you. <laughs> or so. see the scowl on their face when they don't like Jeez. you. Um, so finally, just to round things off, what would be your do's and don'ts for dating? My do's and don'ts for dating are definitely put your safety first. There's nothing wrong with doing a little bit of internet searching just to make sure the person that you're going to meet is exactly who you're going to meet 
I've ended up meeting guys that have been married and stuff. So um, it's definitely okay just to look them up on social media. Um, just to just to make sure they say who they are or they're not hiding a partner somewhere. Um, that they're not like a crazy person or, you know, whatever. So definitely put your safety first and make sure that somebody knows where you are make sure you've got a friend who you can rely on is if 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 you need to be rescued or something's not right you can just message them and say hey something's not right I'm leaving now or um, if you need someone to come and get you from somewhere just just be safe and also meet somewhere very public um I, I had a number of dates in King's Cross which was a really good um, place to meet and if you needed to make a quick getaway you could um, luckily I've not had to do that um, but I would say definitely put your safety first and if something doesn't feel right don't be scared to just walk away um, and listen to your gut I would say that that is the most important do's and don'ts of dating Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us here this week. Uh, why don't you remind our listeners who you are and let everyone know where they can find you on social media. I'm Priya Malji, a senior columnist for Eastern Eye newspaper, where I talk about topics such as dating and relationships. I'm a blogger and a marketeer. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Priya Malji, and you can visit my blog priyamulji.com where you can also read my um, columns thank you to priya for giving us her thoughts on the world of asian dating from the asian carrie bradshaw yeah she's been coined before uh on eastern eye so yeah it i think i guess her sort of experiences echo a lot uh from people that we've come like come across and stuff in our life people in their 30s that have gone through some real nightmares, um, some real, you know, the times of kind of feeling demoralized by the whole dating process. Just feeling like there's no one out there for you. Yeah. Where are all the good ones? The good ones are all taken is one that I hear all the time. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think that is true um, because we know lots of people who are good of both sexes. <laughs> yeah. Good people. Yeah. Who are good people. Uh, maybe but, not right for each other. That's why we don't introduce yeah. them. And plus, also, we are not made yeah. for matchmaking. We're definitely so not, bro. We're just about managing to sort ourselves out, let alone try to fix anybody else up. Because, yeah. and, and plus, the thing is, like, like we said with that Indian matchmaking show, is you don't want to be left with the the burden of if things fuck up and it's all your fault. Exactly. You know, don't want any of that. And also, like, are we. We didn't make it into that world of online dating because we got together just as that was taking off. Yeah, exactly. So that I guess if we hadn't have got together, that would have probably been our next step. Port of call, yeah, the yeah. next port of call for sure. But, it's weird because like when I think about when I just before like, you know, we got together and stuff and, and just before, just after I broke up with my ex, like I legitimately felt like right, so I'm done now, fam. Like that, this was my last opportunity to be with someone that I loved for the rest of my life, and so maybe I'm, I may need to step into online dating. And the only thing that I could think of at the time, and it constantly went over and over in my head, was what if I went on a date with someone and she was like, "Aren't you that rapper from Brit Asia, that <laughs> Swami that I see and stuff?" And I literally, literally, the ground would have just needed to open up and swallow me whole. 
And that's kind of, it's weird. It's such a stupid way of thinking about it. But that was one of those ways, inhibitions, basically, for me being involved in online dating. Because I was just like, you know, from an artist perspective, are people going to be looking at me a different way than, than seeing me as the regular person? Um, I'm not even saying I was like some A-list superstar, but there's always the off chance. It's like, oh, shit, that's that guy. Yeah, I can't even imagine. But you're not the only one who said that to me. There has been other uh, rapper friends of ours who have said the same thing, that they just weren't sure about online dating because what if I get recognised and they say something weird to me and that's going to just be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, and and not... And not being wanting people to know you for your persona. Exactly. Yeah. And wanting people to actually get to know the real you. Yeah, you absolutely. By your real name. No, of course. Because it's easy to think that, you know, when you're out and about all the time and you're constantly socializing, that you're immediately going to be able to, you know, meet people to get into relationships with. And that's not always the case. You know, like finding someone to click with and finding someone to vibe with. Yeah, it is a long process, you know, trying to find that and to, you know, is 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 like trying to find a needle within the haystack sometimes. And that will involve loads of trial and error with loads of dating. We have to try and enjoy the process, I think. Yeah. Because when it becomes a chore, I think you have to take a, a step back. Yeah, for and sure. Just, just take yourself off the market. Yeah. You know, just I being with someone, I have said this so many times to the people that I know who are single, being with someone is not the be all and end all. It's a nice thing to have someone you can, you know, go home to at the end of the day or someone you can ring when you're having a shitty day or whatever. It's someone that you can feel close to and have that companionship with and the intimacy is nice, mm. but it is not the be all and end all. Yeah. And it will not complete you or make you feel like you're you know, your life is You're complete. Yeah, yeah, basically. They're not they're not your other half. Yeah. You are a whole person who will meet a whole person and you will have a nice life being whole people together. Yeah. Yeah. If you are only half a person, you will remain half a person. The other that person will not the person that you meet will not complete you in any way. So this yes. whole you complete me bullshit is just that. It's bullshit. And so you must 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 realize that your worth does not come from you being in a relationship yeah. and so when you get demoralized and you think you know i'm not pe meeting people who are in the same wavelength as me i'm really fed up with this process take yourself out of the process for a bit yes that is the only thing that i can suggest because that's what i did yeah, for a little weird. while i was yeah. just like i'm not dating anyone i'm not meeting anybody and i said that when my parents kept pressuring me to meet people i was like no i've done this for a long time i need a break yeah and then and they could see it in my eyes that was very serious and they listened and they backed off and and that's when i just started to feel like i, I got to a point where i got was like right i'm ready for this again now mm. and that's when i started to kind of put myself back in the the dating pool yes yeah yeah it, it, things happen when you almost least expect it and which is the most annoying thing to hear when you're single i know yeah totally. okay so that's what i mean I, I sound like a pretentious shite right now because i'm married and and you know happily in a relationship so and such that but, the least expected thing and if you're punjabi and you ever hear the word sanjog then you will know that you will be instantly made massively irritated mm. because someone sanjog means like fate like your it's written for you so you're the person that you're supposed to be with is out there your soulmate will be out there yeah and no, whoever 
I never believe that. No. <laughs> what is I, it then your Sanjog will happen? And so I was just like, no, please leave me alone with this word. I don't want to hear the word Sanjog ever again. I know, I've, I've always felt like you're in charge of your own destiny. You're in charge of your own fate. If you go into every situation thinking, oh, it's written for me that this is going to happen then you just live a lazy existence of just waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. And you have to go out and seize the moment. You have to physically put yourself yep. out there in order to meet people and find people and socialize and get to know people. They're not just going to turn up on your doorstep. So I, I can understand the whole the frustrations of being involved in the dating scene because there's so much like hit and miss for so many occasions and so many people and and it can really take its toll on you um but you know all like all i can say is like things happen when you least expect it <laughs> because it's like you know the less you give a shit about the situation the more like chances are that you'll be confident enough to to vibe with someone and meet with someone and yeah, you're not putting that pressure on yourself at that point then because you're not kind of constantly, I feel like people can, it's not reading desperation, it's reading kind of the um, commitment to finding someone. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to be yourself. Yeah. You not need. You don't need to be that person who's committed to finding someone, you just need to be you. Yeah. And yeah. that is what will attract someone with to you. Because mm -hmm. I have been, I have been on dates with people where I have been on a night out and I've been like if a man ever comes anywhere near me ever again I will throw my drink on them I want nothing to do with men again and then you meet someone you're like oh actually you're quite nice and mm. and you know and because that person's approached you because they're just like she doesn't care she's not looking for someone she's just she'll doing her own some, thing and she's having randy action later no, on tonight. no it just means like if <laughs> that person over there is just doing their own thing and living their own life and having a good time in their own space and i quite like that that looks good so i want to go over there and get a piece of that hello <laughs> and <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation as well by the way what like so you know like dating for the purpose of hooking up at, or how many dates like would you need to go on before eventually hooking up with someone i mean yes this is that's a whole, a other, whole show. That's a other show yeah and um we will be i'm sure talking about that at a future date yes but that is it from this week though on the native immigrants we'll be back in two weeks we're taking a little bit of a break here in newcastle so there won't be a show for next week sadly I need a break with my mummy and daddy. Yes, but we will be back in two weeks time for more of the same. So until then, I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. Yeah.